Did you know what he was going to say? Friday was a big day as a new president was inaugurated into our country. And people were wondering exactly what was that speech going to be about? He hasn't been short on words, you know. And people have been concerned about some of the things he says or some of the things he wants to do. And then there are other people, too, who are all very supportive of it. Well, we're at a time in our country where the divisions are becoming very obvious. Some people very upset about things, either one way or the other. And action is being called for. Well, after he made his speech, all the critics went to work on it, pointing out various things and kind of warning us about what might be coming up. Now, I understand that some people are very concerned and upset, but let us remember that these are just human beings who are leading us. It's our God who rules. But let me ask you this. What kind of a reaction do you think Jesus would get if he were to give an inaugural address? What would he say in his address? Well, he did give one, and we're going to hear it this morning. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry one day, he went into the synagogue, and they asked him to be the guest teacher. And he stood up and he read from Scripture an important part that talked about him. And the response, the critique of his speech was, it was simply amazing. Now, what did he say? That's going to be our focus this morning. We're continuing with our series of messages called Treasured Truths. It's reflective of those treasures that the wise men brought to Jesus. We talked about how their gold was kind of symbolic of the golden word of God. And that the frankincense, which was sweet-smelling, would represent the merits, the goodness of Jesus that makes us sweet-smelling to God and, and how it becomes ours in baptism. Well, today we want to talk about the myrrh, a perfume, an ointment that was used to anoint somebody for their burial. Yes, they were talking about Jesus dying. Well, let's see what Jesus talks about as he begins his ministry with his inauguration speech. And we'll see it's an amazing speech, but what we really need to ask ourselves is, do we hear it? From Luke chapter 4, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news spread about him through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went up to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Now Jesus said to them, Surely you're going to quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Do you remember this commercial? Years ago, this guy walking around with a cell phone asking that question, do you hear me now? And with every step he would ask that question, he was trying to show that Verizon had really good cell phone coverage. No matter where you were, you could hear. Well, have you noticed some commercials lately with the same guy? Yeah, now there he is. <laughs> now he's the spokesman for a different cell phone company. Instead of Verizon, now he's talking about Sprint. And he'll talk about how poor the quality of the reception uh, and, and coverage is under Verizon and how Sprint is, is a better deal. Wow, <laughs> he changed his message. I wonder what the company thought. What did people think about Jesus' message? Was he saying what they were expecting him to say? And really the question for us is, do you hear him? Well, when the people heard him, we're told they were amazed at what he said. In fact, they said, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this a kid that just grew up down the street? Well, we remember him when he was helping his dad in the workshop. Wow, look at that. A local kid done good. Reminds me a little bit about some of our sportscasters around here when you know, we hear some pro athlete who has done very well. They'll say, well, yeah, you know, he went to school here in the Bay Area. And they get real proud. Here's a local kid who's done well. Is that what made the reception of Jesus so amazing? Look at how that kid turned out. Now it was something else. And Jesus pointed to it from the words of the prophet Isaiah that pointed to him. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. The key words there were that word, anointed me. That word, anointed, was what gave Jesus the title, the Messiah, or in Greek, Christ. It was his title that simply said, I am the anointed one, the one anointed by God, the one appointed by God to be the Savior. And that's what made Jesus' speech so special, who he was telling us, he is the Messiah. Now, people no doubt were looking for various things from the Messiah who would be their leader. They wanted somebody, perhaps, who would be there to encourage them and, and rouse up patriotism and all that kind of stuff. Maybe it was people who were kind of looking at him as, as being a salesman. And some people probably thought he was a, a salesman, kind of a, a slick salesman. 
with his fancy words and his maybe sleight of hand to do things? Have you ever been taken in by a smooth salesman? <laughs> you know, they sold you something you probably really didn't need or need as badly as they said you did, but they convinced you and you bought the product. Well, Jesus isn't a salesman. He doesn't come with any slick words. What he comes and tells us about is he's the Savior. He's telling us what we need. He referred to himself also as the physician. Like a doctor, he's going to tell us, here's what's wrong, and here's how you can be fixed. And the answer was, in him, as the Savior. Now, some people maybe have other expectations from their leaders, and no doubt, certain expectations from God. I think sometimes people want God to be like a delivery man. He's bringing me what I need today. He's bringing me what I need tomorrow. And sometimes we find out we open that package and, oh, I've got to assemble it. I've got to do some work. I've got to do all this. What? I want it fully going already. Well, Jesus is not a delivery man, just here to, to pass out all sorts of blessings and things that we need. No, he's the deliverer. He doesn't come to give us something. He comes to take us away from something. Now, I have to confess that this, this next stuff I'm going to tell you was inserted late yesterday afternoon. Uh, it wasn't in my original uh, planning during the week. But uh, I was up at uh, the Solano State Prison again yesterday, and we met uh, two new guys, uh, new prisoners we hadn't met before. Now, they uh, are housed in a different section of the prison because they're on a different level of security due to uh, violent behavior, okay? So uh, things were a little different for us going there. And uh, the one guy, his name is Chu. Uh, he's uh, Chinese, but he was uh, brought up in Vietnam and then the family moved to Southern California and that's where he got involved in his life of crime and now is serving a lifetime sentence. He's been in prison for 22 years. As he was telling me uh, about his story, I couldn't help but think of these words from Isaiah, which was just so amazing because that's what I was going to share with them as my little devotion and encouragement for them. He had another guy who's been in there for 30-some years uh, with a life uh, sentence. Um, but what was amazing is, is he was telling me that he grew up as a Buddhist, now, he said, as a Buddhist, he was taught, look inside of you to find the peace that you need, the deliverance, he said, to get you out of your troubles. Well, he wasn't finding that peace inside. And, and he said, you know, I, I remember seeing pictures of Jesus on a cross, and, and that didn't mean anything to me because it was, it was just as useless, he said, as, as this prayer stone that I, that I have hanging around my neck. It didn't mean anything. Recently in prison, he got in trouble because he had uh, made a weapon and was going to attack somebody. Well, they caught it, and he ended up in the hole for a while, solitary confinement. And he says, what you go through there is uh, very treacherous and very soul-searching. He said, I, I came to realize there was nothing inside of me because all I could see was anger and rage, and I wanted to strike out. But then I remembered that picture of Jesus and hearing words about him being my deliverer. And when he got out of the hole, 
he was able to find some other Christians and hear how Jesus is his deliverer. Now, you and I aren't in the hole. <laughs> Although sometimes we kind of sound like we are. You know, sometimes we complain about the way things are going. We don't like this, we don't like that, we have these troubles. And we're filled with some worries. And we need somebody to deliver us too. What's more than just those worries, though. More than just that. Listen to what Jesus tells us that he does as he refers to these words that talk about him as Messiah. Jesus said, I have come to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Now, Jesus didn't come as some kind of earthly ruler, and he didn't have some kind of economic plan to help people out of poverty. Nor did Jesus come, and we never hear this, that he set any prisoner free. So what was he talking about when he mentioned poor and prisoners? Well, when we look a little bit farther in this book of Isaiah that he was reading from, he tells us what he's doing. He's bringing us freedom and the poor and the prisoners are these. God says, these are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. God tells us he's come to deliver those who see their need for a savior. God is here to free them from their worries, from their fears, from their sin, from their guilt. The word he used for prisoner is not the, what we think of as a prisoner. We think of a prisoner as somebody who's committed a crime and therefore they're locked up. The word that was prisoner here in, in the original Hebrew meant somebody who's been dragged away into captivity. Have you ever been dragged away? Maybe by the thoughts, the examples that are around us in society. Maybe the things that Satan works in your heart. Maybe your own weaknesses and sins have dragged you away. Jesus said he has come to bring us freedom. Now, in the prophet Isaiah, this line is also there. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Now, that wasn't in the words that Jesus read in Luke 4. And we don't know why they weren't there, but they weren't. But that was part of Isaiah's words and certainly is part of Jesus' mission. To bind up that broken heart. The one that recognizes the fears, the worries, the sin, the guilt. Jesus has come to free us from that. And here's what he promises us. Comfort for all who mourn. And to provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Now I don't know where you are exactly with, with things in regard to the view of our country. Or things that are going on in your life. 
But if there's some fears, if there's some worry, if there's some despair, look to God who has promised to deliver us from all of that stuff and to bless us. Now we might wonder, how can it be? How, how can I get that? Jesus also said he is coming to give us faith, trust in those things. He was explaining that with this phrase that I have highlighted here. Recovery of sight for the blind. Now, when we think of the word blind, we think of somebody who has lost their sight because of maybe something at birth or an accident or something. But the word recovery of sight for the blind really meant somebody who's been pulled out of darkness into the light so they can see. It's kind of illustrative of that idea of of a prisoner in the hole, a prisoner in solitary confinement, in darkness, who can't see his way out. Jesus has come and shown us the way out of that despair. Paul explains it for us in his letter to the Corinthians. He says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this world, we can call him the God of fashion, the God of what's trendy. He has blinded people so that they don't see this is God's will. This is the glory of God in Christ Jesus and what he has done for us. Paul goes on. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of God. Of Christ. In talking to Chu for several hours yesterday, what impressed me about him was his spirit. I didn't see a violent man. I didn't see a man full of hatred and rage. He was a man who had relief. He was a guy who had joy. Through our whole conversation, he was always smiling. The reason being is, he said, I know my Savior. You see, God has brought us that, that light, that truth, that trust. And we simply need to listen to who Jesus is and what he's done. But what is it that guarantees it? Chu told me, he said, you know, when I got out of the hole, (laughs) I knew that I would have peace in Jesus. But he said, I was still angry. And I was hoping I'd see that guy who who told the guards I had made a weapon because I wanted to strike out at him. So he still struggled with anger. What would overcome him? What would assure him then that he was forgiven when he still dealt with that anger? It was the favor of God. Jesus said, I have come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The favor of the Lord, that is his grace that undeserved love, that unconditional love, that unending love that just forgives. Have you ever had a a loan that took a long time to pay off? Maybe you still have one, right, with mortgage (laughs) or a car payment. 
Don't you just look forward to that day when oh, there's relief from that? Or how about if you've had a, a big, long project at work or an assignment at school? Don't you feel relief when that's done? Or maybe you've just had a bad cold that hung on for a while. Weren't you relieved finally when you felt better? I say that because that's what Jesus was trying to tell us we will experience from the favor of the Lord. All the debt, all the burden that we have in life, it's gone. They called it in the Old Testament the year of Jubilee. Every 50 years, all debts were to be forgiven. Every 50 years, any slave was to be released so he could go back to his family. And any land that had been sold would revert back to the original owner. It was a brand new life, a change. Jesus is saying that's what the favor of God brings into your life. And Jesus was saying that favor is yours in him. Pretty amazing inaugural speech, isn't it? It's all about what he would do for us. Well, let's see what the critics said about it. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. That is when Jesus said he was the Messiah, that he was coming and bringing grace to not just Jew, but also Gentile. They were furious when they heard that. So they got up, they drove him out of the town, and they took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. What kind of reaction do you have to Jesus' message and his ministry? What do you want to hear from Jesus? What do you want Jesus to give you or do for you? I think there are a lot of different views in answering those questions. There are people who probably want uh, God to just give them a better life, God to fix up the mess in this world. Uh, there are people who just want everything to run smooth, to be free of the hassles and the struggles of life. There are probably some people who just want God to let them alone, that they can just live the way they want. No rules, no restrictions. My question is, what do you not what do you think people want? I said, what do you want to hear from Jesus? What do you want from him? He'll tell you what he's going to give you. That amazing message of his love, of his presence in your life, to bring you that freedom, to give you faith in him, to know that you live under his favor. Listen to that. If uh, you do any flying on airplanes, you know that before the airplane takes off, those flight attendants have to go through this routine and give you all sorts of instructions. Now, if you've flown any number of times, you hear the same presentation over and over, and after a while, you probably kind of tune it out because you know what they're going to say, and so you just keep paging through that magazine, the Sky Mall, and, uh, or maybe looking at your phone to figure out how to turn it off or how to keep playing the game or whatever. You kind of tune them out. 
So why do they keep saying all those things when they've said it every time before? Well, it is required by law because it's necessary. Now, one of the things they're going to tell you is that an oxygen mask may drop down. Well, why is an oxygen mask going to drop down? A change in air pressure in the cabin, and you need oxygen. Okay? Now, they tell you what to do. What are you supposed to do? Well, when I you know, think of that sometimes, it, boy, if my kids were flying with, if my kids were flying with me, they don't. <laughs> um, my reaction as a parent would be, get that mask on those kids, because they're probably trying to figure out what to do or, or not know. But that's not what they tell you to do, is it? They tell you, put it on yourself first, then your kids. But they also tell you to do one more thing. Do you know what it is? Not duck and cover. <laughs> Pull on it to start the flow of oxygen. You see, sometimes maybe we get so used to hearing things, we forget about just how important all those little details are that we need. And we need that oxygen of the gospel. We need to know that God says, I give you freedom, I give you faith, and you live in my favor. I told you last week I'd show you a picture of what's going on behind this tent for construction. Well, that's what it looks like before the tent went up. If you notice there in the middle, the pulpit isn't there. That wood podium. They had to take it down because according to ADA code, we now have to have a ramp coming up to the altar. And that's about the only place where we can put a ramp. Okay. So we had to take down that, that beautiful pulpit. Now I know that some people don't like that the pulpit is gone, but I just want to remind you, it was just a piece of furniture. Now that pulpit was built on this big, huge block of concrete, which is still there and is supposed to be jackhammered out in the next few days. But it's not that pulpit that was the key thing, it was that foundation we stood on. And that foundation is not even that cement block that's there. It's the foundation of God's truth, the gospel. That's what we stand on. That's what we teach in our school. That's what we proclaim in our church, that freedom. And my question is, do you hear Jesus now? And what will you do with him? Will you be like the people in the crowd who want to throw them away, push them to the side? That's not what we want. Or will you recognize he's come to deliver you and has? Listen to his message and grow in your trust in it because it is an amazing message. Jesus' speech calls us to listen to him. Let's join, please, in this prayer of commitment in which we ask God to give us that spirit that will listen to him. Together, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to hear you. I want to see you as my Savior and my Lord. 
Send me your Spirit to open my heart and live in me. Turn my heart away from messages that say, I can do it without you. Strengthen me with your grace and lead me in your will for my life, for blessings and for your glory. Amen. And God will answer that prayer. God will give us his Spirit. He will give us a heart that will be open, a heart that desires to know him, to follow him, to serve him. May he lead us with that spirit. Amen.